Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Let me just say this to you again. Merry Christmas. Turn to the person next to you and say, man, I'm glad you're here this morning. And I hope you mean that because you'd never say a lie in church, would you? There you go. All right. Good morning. My name is Andy. Uh, I, again, uh, if you miss announcements, sometimes it's chaotic getting in here this morning. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here and just want to echo a couple things that we say when we start every service. One is, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Are you glad you're here? We're glad you're here hey. this morning. Uh, it's, just part of, it's just part of being in God's family to come together for these family gatherings, and we love it uh, to come together. It's so fun to be a part of this. The other thing that we want you to know, though, is that when you come here on Sunday mornings, this is just part of the beginning. It's just the beginning of what God wants to do. There is so much. John said this earlier in the service, but I th- I, we just want you to know this as you gather here this morning. Sunday mornings are great. There is so much more in addition to this, what God is doing. God is on the move. Amen? Amen. Amen. God is on the move. And, and I've, I've been hearing stories about it even these last few weeks. And what's interesting is people talk about, you know, our amazing sermons. They talk about this amazing worship band we have and all the fun that we get to have when we come together. But I've been hearing so much lately about God doing things in coffee shops and in classrooms and cubicles at work. Like people are worshiping. They're sensing God's presence. They're Having, uh, they're experiencing growth in their faith just by doing everyday things. And God is on the move, not just here on Sunday mornings, but all over the place because God is on the move. God is on the move, and it's something for us to keep in mind as we go, uh, not just survive this holiday season, but try to thrive in it with all the things we've got to get done, right? It's why we've been looking at this sermon series these last six weeks now, and we're wrapping it up here today with this idea that God is on the move. This series called On the Move, it's six weeks We've been looking at some key things that we need to know, we need to believe, key things we need to understand if we're going to try and keep up with what God is doing around here. Amen? He's doing a lot, and it's, it's hard sometimes to keep up. In fact, that's the way I describe my job as a pastor to some people, right? I'm just trying to keep up with what God is already doing, because God's doing some really great stuff. He's been doing a lot of cool things in my own household, teaching me a lot, but one of the things that I've been learning Uh, Among my family, uh, especially with our household and trying to get everything set and ready for a great Christmas celebration is this, waiting is hard. (laughs) Waiting can be hard. Now, if you're good and you're sitting here this morning, you're saying, you know what, I am the world's most patient person. I have no problem waiting. Let me just take a guess here. You don't have a two-year-old living in your house, do you? (laughs) Right? Just a couple things that I, I feel like God has been using to shape me and mold me into a more flexible person. I get up and don't want to pull a hammy, right? So you got to stretch in the mornings. Let me just tell you, just once as a family, sometime in the next 10 years, I would love to sit down and have all of us take a bite of food at the exact same time, <laughs> right? I mean, we've got screaming and we've got kids trying to sit down and grab and they just love to pick at whatever we put on the table. And I'm like, just wait, Ah, they can't do that. Apparently, they weren't born with those genes, right? Driving in the car to Story City, even yesterday, what do you think is the question that I heard over and over and over again? Are we there yet? Thank you. Yes, yes, exactly, right? Every day for the last three weeks, and we even have an advent calendar on the wall to prevent this question from happening. When is Christmas? Is Christmas tomorrow? Is it the next day? Every day for the last three weeks, I've been answering these questions. No, you cannot open your presents, Right? Leave them under the tree. Oh, it's just exhausting. Advent and waiting 
can be exhausting. You've probably been doing your fair share of waiting as well, right? Lines at the store, those darn traffic lights that always turn red right when you get there. Why is that, right? Customer service over the phone, have you had to do that lately? I'm sure that was convenient, right? Personally, I just can't even wait to have an office upstairs. I would love to be able to come down here and not have to spend eight hours and be like a, you know, seem like a guy that just doesn't want to leave caribou coffee. They look at me sometimes like, what, do you not have a place to work? Like, what do you, what do you do, right? Waiting. Waiting can be hard. And yet that's part of what this season is all about. That's part of what God's doing in these four weeks that we call Advent leading up to this Christmas celebration. And some would look at this Christmas season, they describe it as the most wonderful time of the year. And some of us would look at the season and we would say, not even close. And you know what the difference is between the people who say one or the other? It's what you're waiting for. It's what you're waiting for. Waiting can be hard. And I know some of us in this room are waiting for some pretty big things. Just some things that have come to mind, again, from the stories that I've heard this week and last few months. Some of us are waiting for healing, physically in here, right? We're waiting not to feel so alone all the time. It's just awful dealing with some of this stuff, waiting for some pain to stop, waiting for things to start going your way. Anybody that says this waiting thing is easy, if they're they're saying that, they're probably not in the midst of what some of us are waiting for. I want to give you a second this morning just to turn to the person next to you. We're going to do this thing we do every once in a while. We call it community time. I know you actually have to talk to a real human being at church. Uh, I just want to give you a minute or two, though, and we found this to be really helpful just to answer these two questions. You can get up and you can find a new person if you want, if you're not sardined in in the middle of a row of chairs, or if you want to just someone behind you, in front of you, the person you know or don't know, it's up to you. Challenge by choice this morning. But there's something that happens when God people comes together And we connect. And I want you to connect on these two questions. What's your name? How did you even end up here? And don't say a car, right? I mean, what's your story? Just a sentence. Somebody invited you or, you know, God drew your attention to the sign. What was it, right? And this question, what are you waiting for these days, okay? What are you waiting for? It can be whatever you want to share. All right? On your marks, get set, go. All right, hopefully you got enough time to share to build some community, right? And it's always fun doing this because there's always observations. And, and again, it's not hard to think of something that you're waiting for, right? I mean, you guys really got into that, though. You were having some fun, right? It's not hard to think of something that we're waiting for. All of us have stuff that we need or we want or we're just waiting to have happen. And sometimes it's things that it's no big deal. Other times it's stuff that's it's critical. And you want nothing more than for the waiting to stop, Well, here's the thing. God's people knew a little something about waiting as well. If we look at the narrative of Scripture, God's entire story, right? God's people, they spend a lot of time waiting. So why should it be any different for us? Waiting to be rescued from Egypt, waiting to be ushered into the promised land, waiting to get it together long enough to feel like a real nation among nations, but, and as we've been talking about a little bit these past few weeks of this Advent season, and we're going to celebrate the end of here in a little bit, there's also this waiting for the Messiah. And that's what Christmas Eve is all about, God coming through and ending our waiting. 
For centuries, the prophets kept painting this picture that God's people would be rescued, that their waiting would come to an end, that someone would come. And that's where you get verses like Isaiah 7, which we'll put up on the screen. Let's read this together. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Thousands of years before Jesus was born, this prophecy was laid out. And when people heard it, I've got to imagine that they thought, that sounds great. Now, now let's just have that come. Let's have that happen and time pass because they had to wait. A little bit later, uh, some other prophets come and they keep waiting. And it, more prophets come and they, they keep waiting. And eventually we get to Malachi chapter 3. He says, look, I'm sending my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come into his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming. God says he's surely coming. And yet God's people still had to wait what ended up being 400 years. I have a hard time with a stoplight. <laughs> Clearly God is trying to cultivate something in his people. There's something all of us know about the waiting because they waited and they waited and and they got no response. For hundreds of years, God's people were waiting, and all they could do was pray. All they could do was ask, God, would you come? God, would you move? When we look at our story, God, we know that you've been on the move. Why aren't you moving now? And that's a great question. And if you're asking that today, you are exactly in the right place. Because we come from a long line of people a long line of believers who trust and who wait for God to move. So I want to invite Jed up here this morning because I think it's important as we move into this Christmas Eve celebration, it's the fourth Sunday of Advent and we've been waiting, right? My kids have been waiting an eternity to open their presents and we're about to open one again, maybe even for the very first time on Christmas Eve, right? This gift of the birth of our Savior. But I don't want to miss this moment to pray. Remember that thing that you're waiting for, that you just shared with somebody? You're not alone in that. We're going to sing this hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, written a couple hundred years ago. This very same idea, right? If you look at this, it isn't just a hymn, it's a prayer. And so as Jed leads us in this song this morning, we're singing all kinds of Christmas carols. Take a moment and, and just think to yourself about what is God doing in your life with these things that you want... What does it look like to seek him? Not to try and to achieve it on our own, but to say, God, Emmanuel, which means God with us, come, come. Jed's going to lead us in a time of prayer. And oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. That mourns in lonely exile Until the Son of God appears Rejoice, rejoice Emmanuel Shall come to thee, O Israel O come 
on thou day spring come and cheer our spirits by thine adversity disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to fly rejoice rejoice Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Though come thou key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads to and close the path to misery. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee. And so that's the cry of the hearts of God's people living in the Old Testament, right? In that song, you have this prayer, O come, O come, and yet at the same time, there's this call to rejoice because we have this promise. We haven't seen things materialized, but there's this promise that God will come through. God will save the day. They've seen God do powerful things in the past, and yet they keep asking for God to move, and here's the amazing part. Eventually, he does. God sends a message. God is on the move, and this is where we begin to pick up our Bible reading for today from first in in Luke chapter 1, and if you got your Bibles, I want you to open up there this morning. We're going to spend the rest of our time in Luke 1 and Luke 2 this morning looking at this story, but, but God's on the move, and he begins to come, and first he comes to Zechariah. And eventually he comes to Mary, and we talked a little bit about this last week. An angel comes to her, and she says, greetings, right? The Lord is with you. And I love Luke's sense of humor in Luke chapter 1. This is verse 29. I love how he describes Mary's reaction when the angel shows up, confused and disturbed, right? Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Have you ever gotten woken up in the middle of the night and you have no idea what's going on and you completely forget that you even had a conversation? She's trying to process all this, trying to take it all in. And the angel, he has to say, don't be afraid, right? You've found favor with God. And Mary asks a very logical question. How's this going to happen? Because I know that I am not going to have a baby on my own. And she begins to tell her, right? It's going to be through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Mary responds. Well, the angel wraps up the conversation, he says, because the word of God will never fail. And Mary responds, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Mary has this conversation with God's angel, and she responds. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. And the angel left her. She's gotten this good news. But have you ever gotten good news and it took a little while to sink in? Right? You get this good news, and it's, it's something that's a game changer for you that, that you can't even cognitively begin to take it all in in the moment, and then all of a sudden, it just clicks, and about five minutes later, you're like, woohoo! Right? 
That's exactly what happens to Mary in this passage. If you look at our Bible reading for today, verse 39, what does she do? Right? She responds. She, she grabs her bag, she puts on her shoes, and she hits the road to her cousin Elizabeth's house. She just found out her cousin, who she never thought was going to have a baby, is going to have a baby. She didn't think she was going to have a baby. She's going to have a baby. She goes and she heads and to be with her family to celebrate the good news. But when she gets there, what does she do? Right? I love her reaction to this. And I think God has something to teach us through this. Do they sit down? Do they pour themselves a cup of coffee? Right? Do they spend hours talking about the latest celebrity gossip? No. No. Mary sings. Right? She can't even keep it into words. She just busts out in song. How many of you this week, as you were thinking about how much God loves you, you're standing in the, in the aisle at Target, you're shopping, you're picking out Christmas presents, and you just start singing to yourself out of pure joy, right? Good. Good. If that's you, praise God, right? Not everybody has those moments, but that's the moment that Mary is. She bursts into song, and that's because I think Mary knows the timeless wisdom our friend Buddy the Elf came to share with us, right? He says, if you've got good news, there is only one way to share it, people. Let's take a look. <laughs> Clearly, Buddy's got a little bit of joy, doesn't he? He's definitely got something worth sharing. Repeat after me. The best way to spread Christmas cheer, best way to spread Christmas cheer. Is, singing is singing loud for all to hear. There you go. Now you've got that under your belt. But here's the thing. Mary's not just singing. She's not just singing a song because she wants to. No, in fact, it's coming out of her heart. She is in full-blown worship mode, right? Do you think she cares how she sounds, right? Maybe, hopefully a little bit better than Buddy the Elf, but I think she's lost herself in this story, in this idea that for centuries God's people have been waiting and now is the time that God's going to come back and he's going to, very soon he's going to answer this promise. And not just that, she's going to use her, God's going to use her to bring this little baby into the world. Listen to what she says as she sings this song. And I'm in verse 46, if you're following along, it says, Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. Right? I mean, this isn't even half as excited as I imagine she is. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She is pumped. She's blown away with God's goodness and majesty. She's really excited. As Eugene Peterson is translating this for his paraphrase, the message, he says, she's bursting with God news. Have you ever seen God do something and you were so excited you couldn't help but tell other people about it? Right? It just came out of you. You're like, hey, did you know? Did you know? Right? You can't, you can't be quiet. Because it's that good. Her soul praises the Lord. And I got to be honest, though, the, nothing against the translators of the version of the Bible we use, the NLT, but I think they kind of watered it down on this one, right? Praises the Lord. I looked it up in the Greek this week, and here's what I saw. It means things like to magnify, right? To make big, to highly esteem, to make great, to celebrate, right? Then praises do that, but sometimes we use that word praise. We say praise God, and it's not this intense of a reaction that Mary is happening. God has just changed her life forever, and all she can do is sing about it because the best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing loud for all 
to hear. If you're Mary and you've just been visited by this angel, right? If you're beginning to realize this whole baby thing was for real, right? You can see it in Elizabeth. She's been pregnant three months already. And this isn't any normal baby. You're probably a little more than excited. You see, Mary's picking up this idea that I've seen a lot of us picking up these last few months, that we aren't just here on accident. We're here part of God's bigger story, that God has a plan, that God wants to do incredible and amazing things, not just for us, but in us and through us to put the world back together the way that it should be. And when Mary catches on to this, it changes everything. She can hardly contain herself, right? She's not just casually sharing her thoughts here, some lame song. No, she is shouting it from the rooftops. Why? Because she knows God is on the move, and he has been for a very long time. This is what she says as she erupts in this song. The mighty one is holy. He's done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation, His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He's scattered the proud and the haughty. He's brought down princes from their thrones. He's exalted the humble. He's helped his servant Israel, and he's remembered to be merciful. Why? This is what she says. For he has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. If you were to ask Mary who God is to her in this moment, I think she's going to give you three words. God is faithful. And it's something we've seen in the story for a long time. Adam and Eve are in the garden and they're naked, right? They've just committed sin and they're hiding. What does God do? He finds them. Abraham's descendants are out, out of food and, they're, and there's a famine. They're in the desert. God feeds them. His descendants, his offspring that turns into this whole nation is enslaved in Egypt. What does God do? God frees him. That's who he is. God is faithful. He cannot not keep his promises. Whatever it is you're waiting for this morning, that's what God wants you to know, that he is faithful and he will be in that situation one way or another. And my sense is reading this passage this morning that Mary must have had a glimpse of the power and the majesty and the magnitude of this promise that she's been given, that she's going to have this baby, and this baby is going to change everything. And so she does what any of us do when we've had these moments where we come into close contact with the fullness of God, worship and singing. So what about you? In your waiting, are you worshiping? Are you filled with this joy despite your circumstance? Mary hasn't experienced the baby coming and being delivered yet. She doesn't know for sure that God's going to follow through, but she's got this inkling, this faith that carries her through it, and it's that spirit of worship that must have been right there with her nine months later when it all comes to pass, when God's move becomes a reality and this baby is born in Luke chapter 2. And I love this setting, and we're going to dive into this on Christmas Eve, this whole Christmas story, right? But people start showing up, and they can't find room in the inn, and they have the baby. And here's what's cool, though. Even the shepherds show up, right? They're miles away, and they see an angel, and then the star, and they they follow all this stuff, and and they end up coming to to the place where Jesus is born. 
And Luke is telling the story, and isn't it interesting that again, he's already captured Mary's song again, even next to the manger. Luke captures Mary's response, and I want us to take this in. Luke chapter 2, verse 19. Mary's sitting there. She's thinking about all of this. She's hearing this story full of these amazing words the shepherds are telling. And this is what Luke writes. He says, Mary kept all these things in her heart, and she thought about them often. Another translation words it this way, Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. Mary pondered them in her heart. In the midst of all this chaos, she looks around her, she sees what God is doing, and does she say, oh, that's cool, and then moves on to the next thing? No, she takes it in, and she soaks it up, because God is doing something amazing right in front of her. And it's pretty hard to miss the fact that you just had a baby. But I think sometimes in our lives, we can miss it. She doesn't let this moment pass her by. She holds on to it. She soaks it up. And again, I want to ask you, do you take the time to do this? Even in the midst of this holiday season, are you taking the time to soak it up? I know just this week, my wife and I were having this exact conversation. It was probably more of a survival conversation. What are we going to do to get through all the stuff that we need to get done before December 24th and December 25th. So we went into the, the war room. I couldn't even bring my iPhone. My, my phone couldn't handle all the stuff that we had to do. I couldn't figure out. We had to go old school, analog. I had to go to a sheet of paper, all right? All right? This is serious, all right? What you have right here is the Hermanson family plan for the next seven days leading up to Christmas, right? Does this look intense or what, right? Heather needs to go shopping. Annie needs to go shopping. We need to make caramels for our neighbors. We're going to try and do a movie night for the kids because we want to make sure that we celebrate Christmas, right? I need to do a, a calendar on Shutterfly. I had to do that last Wednesday by 6 p.m. because you know what? If you don't do it by 6 p.m., the shipping goes way up, right? This is serious stuff we're talking about. My wife had to have lunch with her small group. We have to go meet with my family for Christmas, my extended family for Christmas, my wife's family. We better remember to wrap some gifts. We had to put that on here, right? This thing is crazy, and this is just to survive. You know what's missing from this sheet of paper? And I work at a church for crying out loud. Yeah, we go to worship, but half the time that's wrangling kids, right? If I'm preaching or doing announcements, sort of, that's what I'm thinking about. You know what's not on my calendar until this week when God slapped me across the face with this? Time to ponder the story for myself. Time just to take it all in. Because it's an unbelievable story, and God wants to use it to do amazing things. Mary says that God has done great things for her. What about you? What's God done this year? I've got some friends I want to invite up on the stage because they're going to help us with uh, an activity here. Uh, I want you to look at the post-it note that's on your bulletin. You came in this morning. You should have had a post-it note there. Mary says, God has done great things for me. What about you? Right? We've been talking these last six weeks about God being on the move. Well, what's that look like for you? What do you have that's worth celebrating? What do you have that allows you to bring praise and glory to God? When you come on Christmas Eve and you celebrate the birth of this Messiah, what is it that the Messiah has been doing in your life that's changing you? How's God on the move in your own life? And because I didn't want to just make you think you're all on your own doing this, I've invited some friends up here. 
uh, to uh, share a little bit with us about what God's been doing in their life. So everybody say, hello, friends. So why don't you guys introduce yourself? We'll go on down the line and maybe, so your name and a sentence on how you ended up at Hope and then uh, we'll talk about what God's been doing the second time around. Hi everybody, my name is Jeff and uh, my beautiful wife here brought me to Hope in 2008. Hi, I'm Beth and um, six plus years ago, I started going to Hope West Des Moines. Hi, my name is Lita and um, uh, I never thought uh, I'd find a church where I felt at home, so I'm glad that I found this church. Mm-hmm. We are too, by the way. Hi, we're uh, Nick and Andrea Kuntz, and uh, we came, I don't know, when Hope, about the first or second Sunday, Hope opened in Hubble. We just had been looking for a church, and uh, it was in, within walking distance, so we came and stayed. It's been great. Very good. Why don't you guys start us off down there? Tell us a little bit. And I know pointing we've... at me. What? Uh, you don't want to do. You guys, sorry, I didn't mean to point. Right? We don't have a ton of time this morning, and I know that we could fill hours and hours about what God's been doing in all of your lives. But give us the three-minute version, what God's been doing. Uh, God has been showing me miracles. He's been showing me forgiveness, and he's been showing me that everything that happens in our daily lives happens for a reason. This summer, me and my wife were separated due to uh, my actions, and... Uh, you know, ultimately, like Job, I was stripped of my family, my wife, my home, my children, my dog, my cat, everything. And I was ultimately stripped of my West Des Moines home at Hope. And I was uh, giving up on myself. I was giving up on God. And I was driving down the freeway, and he brought me to Hope Des Moines. He brought me to John Anison, Andy Hermanson. And uh, through the course of a two-month period, I had an unbelievable amount of people that were praying for me, praying for my wife, and through a turn of events, my heart was healed, my actions were changed, and I was forgiven for my actions, and I was ultimately able to forgive myself. And as Andy was talking about pondering in your heart, the biggest thing he has done for me is that last night when I was thinking about what I was going to say up here today, I was able to ponder in my heart what he has done for me over the last year. And the unbelievable amount of gratitude that I have in my heart for what he has done for me over the last year was brought to light. And, you know, that is just something that I, it's just a gift from God, a gift from Andy and a phone call. Well said. (laughs) My version of the story is a little bit different. Um, uh, Prior to Jeff leaving the home, um, he was asked politely by law enforcement to leave our house. And um, prior to that, there was a lot of praying. And I held the family together through prayer, like, we're going to get through this. God's got our back, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) You know, and it was those white knuckle prayers. And I tell you... Um, I, I lost all faith, um, when Jeff left. I turned my back on God, I put my Bible down, and I said, I'm done. I am done. I know you can perform miracles, why can't you perform miracles in my family? Um, during the time that he was gone, um, I didn't open my Bible, I didn't go to church, I, um, I didn't do anything, and um, 
a lot of my family uh, prayed for me. A lot of my close friends prayed for me. A lot of people that I never knew that were praying for me were praying for me. Like, oh, I've been praying for you. Oh, thanks. Um, and, uh, you know, um, just in Job 5, he performed wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. And uh, in that scripture, I came to believe again. Um, when Jeff came back to the house, I needed to see that, that miracle. I needed to see that change. And um, through faith and not by sight, we slowly became to heal our marriage. And um, so I owe that only to the man upstairs. Because in my selfish ways, I would have said, see you later. Hmm. Lita, how have you seen God move this year? What's he been doing? Uh, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so in the past year, uh, can I just, uh, a rough draft. Um, I've been a drug addict, an alcohol uh, addict for 10 years. Uh, t- almost two years ago, I lost custody of my son. And uh, in the last year, uh, God's changed my life. He's filled the void in my heart, and I'm reunifying with my son. And uh, I've never been so blessed and uh, had actual, I have actual potential in my life today than I never would have had before. So that's all. Awesome. <laughs> Nick and Andrea? Well, um, our situation is uh, about a little over two years ago. Um, we got a call, I guess, on a Friday night. Um, and uh, it was either uh, Andrew's sister, uh, her boys, uh, needed someplace to go. Uh, family situation wasn't good. And uh, it was either her parents or we take them. So overnight, we became parents um, of a seven, six, and seven year old. Um, and we've had him for about a little over two years. And so. That's been a, a change, uh, and uh, at times very rough because there was nothing, uh, you know, we just took them. There was nothing legally saying we had to have them. There was nothing done, so we were kind of uh, in between two parties. Mom and dad are divorced, and uh, neither one get along, and we were kind of stuck in the middle. And it was making things very difficult, and uh, just to get anything done for the boys and making things pretty financially tight. And we came to a point here just a few months ago where we finally, we'd been praying for the ability to at least uh, get legal guardianship of them so that we could get stuff done for them that we needed to get done, doctor's appointments and stuff like that. And, um, and God brought us to a point where both parents were willing to sign, which was uh, a miracle in and of itself. And so that all came to be, um, but it all came to be right at the time where we had a whole bunch of bills come up, car problems, and all this other stuff, and we were pretty tight financially and couldn't afford to pay for the lawyer fees. Um, and so um, at that point, Andrew kind of got an idea for a garage sale, and I'll let you or her tell you the rest. So we thought, well, we'll have a garage sale and try and raise some money, so we spread some words to a few friends from church and our family and people that Nick works with, and just said, hey, if you have any junk that you don't want, we, we could use it. And so um, we more than filled up 
my parents' garage, which is where we had the garage sale. And God just sent people after people to come and go shopping. And at the end of the garage sale, we counted the money, and it was almost to the penny what we needed to cover the legal fees. So Awesome. Let's give these guys and give God a round of applause. Thank you, guys. You guys see. Thank you. You're not an intimidating group of people, but it is hard to get up here and tell your stories sometimes. So if you see these guys, which there's no way to escape this room without running into everybody, will you tell them thank you for their courage and their honesty in doing that? Uh, God is on the move. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that's just a few of the stories that we've heard uh, these last few months. I mean, really, even this year. Uh, and like you heard Jeff say, even in the moment of uh, preparing to speak, just thinking about it, just taking this time, God allowed him this ability to ponder in his heart what God has been doing. Right? Mary is sitting at the, the feet of baby Jesus. And these people are coming from all walks of life to worship this baby and Mary sees it all happening and she takes it in and she ponders it in her heart how lucky are we to have even 30 seconds today to ponder what God's doing I mean just the fact that God has brought us here he's given us this beautiful home to worship in right we're all wearing clothes I mean we have so many things to be thankful for and so as we kind of transition here into communion and wrapping up this service, just be thinking about that. Uh, jot something down, even if you just want to do a code word and don't want to write out your whole story. But these, every post-it note represents a gift that God has given us this year. And we thought, man, as we go into this Christmas Eve thing, let's celebrate the gifts God has already given us this year and reopen the bigger one on Christmas Eve. So there's some wrapping paper on the wall out there. When you leave today, would you take your post-it note and just stick it there if you're comfortable sharing what God has been doing in your life. And if you can't think of anything that God has done, turn to the person next to you and they will help you come up with something because God is on the move all over the city, not just here with us on Sunday mornings. If you're sitting here this morning too and you're wondering, I want God to move more, right? I want more of what God wants in my life. I want to turn the page. I, I want to stop waiting or maybe as I wait, I want to stop freaking out all the time as I'm waiting for God. And I will tell you the first thing, and it's counterintuitive, but the first thing that God wants from us that unleashes his power in our life is to surrender, right? To stop going through life with this white knuckle, like my kids learning to ride their bike, right? I mean, their hands were bright white. They're holding on so tight trying to control everything. When in reality, it's a loose grip Right? that God wants us to have, to surrender. To, to surrender not just our lives, but our hearts. To give our hearts and everything that we have to God. And from there, when you hit that moment, it's amazing how incredible things begin to happen in us and through us. Would you stand with me, please? God's faithfulness endures for all generations. You heard Mary sing about it, right? You've heard us talk about it in the past. God is on the move, not just here at Hope Des Moines, but all over this city, and we celebrate that fact. But the reality is that God's been on the move for a very long time, including when he walked with his disciples, when he gathered them together in the night in which he was betrayed, 
And he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and when he given thanks, he blessed it and he gave it to them saying, take and drink. This is a new covenant in my blood shed for the sins, the forgiveness of sins for you and for all people. Whenever you drink this, remember and do so in remembrance of me. Jesus' disciples also asked him how to pray, and we pray and invite God's presence here this morning using the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray that together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. 